Blog Talk Radio. Seattle Miss, uh, Danica Brace getting ready for the uh, Legends Cup that happened this past week on Saturday. If you missed it, you can go to Legends Cup on uh, Legends Football League on the YouTube channel. And so uh, welcome to Great Iron Blitz right here on Blog Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com alongside uh, the always informative Troy Wilson. Uh, we'll be talking college football and we'll be talking NFL Week 2 uh, weekend here. And then we'll go into the women's recap later in the hour and then uh, dissect the Legends Cup more thoroughly at the bottom of the hour. So um, it's going to be exciting, uh, all football. So, Troy, um, let's, you know, this is, this is kind of like football 24-7. It's sort of in a frenzy. Um, and so we got college, big time, you know, big time week two, week three going into it. We got NFL week two. Um, so uh, just a lot of football, and then we'll dissect the women's game, like I said earlier, um, as we come across. So Oscar Lopez here with Troy Wilson. We're going to kick off our uh, our show basically dissecting college football because that's where it's at right now. Big frenzy Friday and Saturdays, uh, big nights and stuff like that. So Troy, um, how are you doing this week? Pretty well, pretty well. Uh, pretty tiresome, long, drawn out weekend. A lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, depending upon who you like. But all in all, I'm just glad the football is back in full swing on the college end and also the professional end. And so everybody, you know, most people have their leagues going right now, and, I, and I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it and getting my fill up out of it. Now, you know, the, the weekend was pretty much uh, exciting, and then there's also, you know, news where there's, you know, sexual assault issues going on in college again uh, and that's sort of a bad thing to say because it's kind of a normal domestic violence happens pretty much in every campus but there's issues going on there so we'll see how those things get you know corrected this uh this past you know next ne- within the next couple of weeks because it goes into a legal matter at that point it doesn't necessarily go into anything else beyond that uh once the co- once the uh college decides that the the individuals are going to be let go then it just really becomes a situation where uh, the individual is on his own in terms of a legal matter, in terms of assault and off the team. So um, I know, you you know, the SEC, basically, uh, when, you know, we talked about it last week. Uh, most people claimed it was probably in a free fall, but uh, 
because Alabama being so dominant in that in that aspect of it. But uh, what what's your thoughts on it in terms of LSU, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Arkansas? Well, the, those teams are those teams are still one of the upper echelon. I mean, you wouldn't include necessarily Arkansas in the upper echelon at this point. You you term them as up and coming. Um, but they played a great game against TCU, and TCU is a is a pretty established program. And for them to come away with that win was definitely impressive on there. And Raleigh Williams, um, you know, tough running uh, throughout the day. You know, he had 28 carries, 137 yards, and they ended up beating TCU uh, in overtime, 41 to 38. So it was definitely impressed with that. Uh, TCU again coming off a of transition. Um, you know, they have a new starting quarterback from uh, last year uh, who transferred over from Texas A&M, Kenny Hill. Uh, and he, he acquitted himself pretty well, but he still has to get immersed in that system. But to watch them come away with that win, I thought was fantastic. Um, LSU, they had a bit of a quarterback change. Um, to watch that team, uh, which struggled mightily at quarterback for years, and now, you know, they're – Basically, uh, um, you know, switching over, they've gone away a little bit away from uh, Brandon Harris. And now to watch them come up with a new quarterback is something that, you know, most of the LSU fans have been waiting to see for a while. And then you also have Texas A&M, who had Kenny Hill last year, and they're bringing their, you know, um, a little bit of – they had a little bit of a struggle with that as well, trying to get their quarterback system acquitted. So the SEC has this target on its back, but it also has this um, – oh, and one more, uh, in, in Georgia, they struggled with Nickel State. Nickel State is not a Division One program. They're, you know, they're a Division One AA program, and Georgia struggled with them. They're ranked number nine. Looking to see Georgia taking a little bit of a dip in the rankings maybe. Um, but to watch – these SEC teams play week in and week out. They're still pretty much the toughest uh, team from top to bottom to see those guys, you know, kind of equip themselves later on further in the season. Yeah, I mean that's and and that's what I'm saying. This is the this is the conference that we all keep an eye on in terms of the national scene, as well as you know, uh, poll poll related. It's really this is the conference that you do. So for them to come in and and really just beat out their opponents in week two in terms of a non-conference status. So that says a lot besides Georgia, of course. Um, at what point should you be concerned with Clemson at this point? Are, are they get, you know, they, they had a difficult time um, putting away Auburn in week one. So what's your take on Clemson right now? Yeah. And Auburn isn't, a, what isn't, they, they struggled as well last year. Um, and then you come into this game with, against Troy uh, against Troy State, and they struggled again. Uh, Deshaun Watson, was he was off. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. But, you know, his numbers were just, you know, not worthy of uh, Heisman candidacy. Uh, he was 27-53, 292 yards, and three touchdowns. Now, the, the problem is, is that he wasn't completing a lot of passes. It was a little bit erratic out there. Clemson is going to have to do something on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they're just not making plays over there. To to have this team and Troy uh, come out and, and play the way that they did and score 24 points uh, against that defense who was one of the – you know, their defense was one of the upper echelon uh, defenses last year, but they lost good players like um, 
They lost Dodd to the draft. And, you know, um, uh, McKenzie Alexander, uh, both of those guys were first-round draft picks. But what you would expect for Clemson to reload uh, with as much talent as they recruit there. And so to see them kind of struggle with Troy, you, you start to wonder, is this going to continue or is this more of a thing where you have to knock the rust off and get these guys going in the right direction? You never can tell with kids. So, I mean, these just we always have to remember these guys are kids and they have, you know, they're temperamental. But it's be interesting to see if they can write the ship going forward because I can tell you right now, their fan base right now is not really – they don't really have a whole lot of confidence in this Clemson team. And how about, the, how about Michigan at this point? Uh, they win their first two games by a combined score of 114-17 over probably, you know, overmatched teams at this point. So um, what's your status? I mean, they're, they're obviously being ranked high at number three, but – uh, they they're not going to get challenged until they probably go up against Wisconsin from from what I'm reading on October 1st. So, uh, what's your take on Michigan right now? Yeah, I mean Michigan's had a bit of a cupcake schedule. The first week they had Hawaii. They didn't leave much of a test for them. They played UCF. Uh, they beat them 51 to 14 this week. The biggest thing I believe that they would have to worry about is they're allowing a lot of big plays on on defense. Last year, this team had three straight shutouts. And um, to to watch this team kind of give up big plays, I mean, they gave up an 87-yard run at, at, at one point against UCF. UCF is not a juggernaut offensively by far. I mean, I know these guys do practice as well. But the amount of big plays that they allowed in this past game against UCF, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it kind of made you take, take, take it back a little bit. Now, you also had Coach Brown who came in from B.C., uh, from Boston College uh, last year, his team led the nation in defense. And so you expected them to step up after D.J. Durkin left and took the head coaching job at the University of Maryland. So you would expect that Michigan would step up on the defensive side, and it just hasn't been that. And so there is some, some worry there. And also since, you know, is Wilton Spate, the quarterback, is, is, is he going to be as good as he's looked? I mean, he hasn't played against a very – he hasn't played against very tough competition at this point. So once the good, once you get into um, conference play, how's he going to translate? How's he going to deal with the the more expectations and the bigger pressure and the, and the bigger spotlight? Only time will tell, but that, we're going to keep our eyes on that one as well. Now on the West, everybody's expecting the Stanford uh, USC matchup. So is it really going to be a matchup in your eyes? Yeah. Um, you know, Stanford has some has some great athletes. Uh, you know, I, I love watching that team play. Uh, they run a pro style offense, so I mean, a lot of their a lot of their players are pro ready once they go up to the next level. But the way that they execute is the key. This, this team is obviously a Stanford, a very smart team, and so to watch this team execute, you got you know Christian McCaffrey, who is a surefire Heisman candidate. I believe he should be right now probably either one or two, uh, as far as like where his ranking should be as far as the the Heisman Trophy. So as long as that guy's on the field, you you have pretty much the most dangerous athlete in college football at this point. Now USC they also recruit very well, and they have some firepower also with Juju Schuster. Um, uh, Smith Schuster on, on their side as at wide receiver, and you want to see if all that recruiting is starting to pay off. Um, now they're finished with all the sanction, sanctions, 
So they're they're free and clear, so they can bring in all the players that they need to bring in. So to watch them start to equip themselves, it's going to be a great matchup once they once they go ahead and meet up. Yeah, and and that's I think that's where everybody's looking forward to, especially in the Pac-10, trying to figure out uh, who's going to be standing out. Um, Gonson, basically, they finish up this this coming week would be probably their easiest their easiest matchup, and then they get the grueling. Uh, conference play uh, at Michigan, uh, at Michigan State uh, versus Ohio State at Iowa and Nebraska. I mean, talk about uh, murder's row right there for Wisconsin. Yeah, and Wisconsin, I think, is built for that type of pounding. I mean, they are your consummate Big Ten team. They're, you know, a bad weather team. The one thing you always see with Wisconsin is, is that they have a big offensive line and they always establish the run game. They're pretty tough nose on defense. That's Big Ten football to this T. So, if you want to, if you want to look at your consummate Big Ten team, that's Wisconsin. Them having that huge win early in the season, it, that builds confidence. And when it comes to the kids in college playing college football, confidence is absolute key. Right now, they're ranked number ten. So you can look for Wisconsin to go on a big run. The biggest key is once they once they're they're meeting up on. Um, on uh, September 24th against Michigan State, and then the next week after Michigan, and then you got Ohio State right after that and Iowa, murderers row. How are they going to do in those four games? That will be able to tell the tale of how that season will go. If they can get through that with with either three or four wins, I mean, you can go ahead and pencil them in for possibly the national championship if they can get through that undefeated. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because it's it's a pretty tough schedule. If you start looking at everybody else's schedule, it's really a, a you know more of a of a rigid uh, competitive schedule. So they've gotten their first three weeks of testing against other uh, lower class teams. But when you start uh, adding their next couple weeks up, you're like, okay, and they got to show up or they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be in the mix at this point. So it's kind of like must win type of schedule. So uh, hats off to them if they can make it happen. Um, the Lamar Jackson uh, ridiculous numbers tour, as everybody's been saying, in uh, in between the Louisville Cardinals. So they take on Florida State this coming week. Uh, what what do you what's your take on that? Well, Lamar Jackson is a fantastic athlete. I mean, this guy he can move the ball up and down the field. You saw what they did to Syracuse, sixty-two to twenty-eight. They were completely unstoppable. He threw for four hundred eleven yards. He also ran for 199 yards and four touchdowns. It is nothing this kid can't do. But let me let me explain this to everyone. Playing against Syracuse and playing against Florida State, two different things. Florida State has absolutely oh, yeah. superior sure. athletes. Abs- absolutely superior athletes. But listen, that take nothing away from Lamar Jackson. He is going to give Florida State some problems. It, how is everyone else around him going to equip themselves? Is Jamari Staples going to be able to have a big game like he had against Syracuse? Is that defense going to be able to step up and, and hold down uh, the Florida State, um, you know, running backs and, and their receivers that they have out there? That's going to be the biggest key is how the defense equip themselves. I think Louisville will be able to run the ball and they'll be able to throw the ball pretty well. But are they going to be able to stop Florida State? Now, if, if we go into uh, Oklahoma, and we had talked about Oklahoma's uh path and you had said you know because of the loss to Houston it really puts them in a in a real you know bad position 
So a loss to Ohio State this Saturday, would that eliminate them? Uh, effectively, yeah. I mean, from the national championship talk, yes, it will. But uh, as far as bowl eligibility, no, it won't. Um, the good thing about uh, Oklahoma the, and, and the great thing about college football also is even if you lose your non-conference games, once you start getting into conference play, that's really what matters. So if Oklahoma, say they lose this game um, against Ohio State, and they run the table in their conference, they're still the conference champions, and they still get to represent their conference in, in their bowl. So it's not over for them as far as bowl eligibility, but from national championship aspirations, it'll be absolutely over. The thing with Oklahoma is, is that they can keep it. They can keep their mo. They can keep their hopes alive by beating this Ohio State team because that'll put them right back in the thick of things. If they do beat Ohio State, look for them to jump back into the top ten. Now, uh, you know, I have never seen 150,000 fans in one venue, and Tennessee versus Virginia Tech. I, I just blown away that you can come up with that many people. I mean, I. I it's NASCAR country, I guess, if you want to call it, you know. So, uh, wow, that was just, uh, record, that was pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, record breaking attendance. I mean, you know, that's what you want to see in college football. I mean, and then you do that right on. It's a border rivalry, Virginia and Tennessee. It was a great game to watch as far as like the atmosphere. Not necessarily a great game from watching Virginia Tech standpoint. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't. They weren't too happy with the outcome, but just to see that many people in one stadium just enjoying a football game. It was just great. You know, and just to watch how they put that all together, you got to give a shout-out to the folks in Bristol who put that stadium together. Tennessee, they looked better than they did the previous week when they were kind of, you know, in the nail-biter against App State. People wanted to see how they were going to come out against a Virginia Tech team who should be better than Appalachian State. And it looks like that they got their their you know their stuff together and they're back on track. I really want to see how they're going to start, you know, to equip themselves further on to the into the season. They have Ohio this week, and then further down the road they have a big test in Florida, which is their usual game, um, their well, their big rivalry game. So we want to see how they come out of that, and that should also start to be able to tell how they're going to you know deal with the SEC because that is an absolute gauntlet they have to go through in their conference. And we talked about Charlie Strong's, uh, you know, good coaching over in Texas with the with the Longhorns. So um, Texas really at this point, they get Cal and, Ohio, and Oklahoma State on the road next. Uh, with they get a buy in between that uh, before they go with, uh, I guess uh, it's called the River, the Red River Showdown with Oklahoma on October eighth. So for now, it, it looks like. Uh, Charlie Strong and you know pretty much a, a good good season so far. They beat up UTEP, which is expected forty one to seven. But they go against Cal this weekend. So what's your thoughts there? Um, they shouldn't have much of a test in Cal. Cal is in transition right now. Um, you know, having uh, Jared Goff once he left, um, you know they're they're a little bit they're they're going to be a struggling program for a while until they get their footing together. Uh, Texas shouldn't have a problem at all with Cal. The big game for them will be once they go into uh, they have to go into Stillwater to play Oklahoma State on October the 1st. When they go into that game, that's going to be a, a good barometer and a good warm-up for them to go against Oklahoma. But don't call Oklahoma State a warm-up. 
They did lose to Central Michigan on that final play, but Oklahoma State is a better football team than what they've showed out there. And they will come out fired up in still water when, when Texas comes in rolling in. Now, uh, Troy, uh, Notre Dame gets hyped all the time. Notre Dame gets a network. I mean, they're, they're a big program. So the, the, the loss to Texas really, really early affected them at this point. So Saturday against Michigan State, uh, will this likely decide the, uh, the Notre Dame season, considering it's, it doesn't have a really, good t- a really tough schedule in terms of October? Yeah, and this is, you know, one of the bigger games that they'll face um, further on down the road. They have to play Stanford. They have to also play Miami. Um, and you also have that uh, USC at the end of the season. But this right here is where they could make a statement. Right now, Notre Dame is ranked number 18. So this would be a big test for them. Michigan State is coming in there at rank number 12. They're a little bit of an unknown commodity right now. They don't have Connor Cook back there at quarterback. So we'll try to see how Michigan State is going to uh, go against Notre Dame. Now, Michigan State typically has a tough defense. So that's going to be an issue for Notre Dame. Who's going to play quarterback for Notre Dame is the big question. Is it going to be Deshaun Kaiser, who most people think it should be, or is it going to be uh, Malik Zaire? Are they going to continue to go with this dual quarterback set? That's going to be the biggest thing. They're going to have to solidify that position for them to, you know, look solid. Now, they they played Nevada, and, you know, honestly, that was a pretty good warm-up for them. But Michigan State is going to be a huge test. Now, Ole Miss, basically at this point, uh, you know, we're, we're all talking the rank 19th here, but Ole Miss itself, which, which uh, you know, got beat by Florida State, uh, they, you know, they 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 face Warford, which is no 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 big deal. But they get to face <laughs> number one Alabama. Uh, I mean, uh, up next, and then they, and then they go into Georgia, and so and so forth, and then they have to face Arkansas and LSU. So, uh, kind of brutal schedule too here in that sense, right? Um, yeah, uh, they have they have Georgia uh, coming up this weekend, and um, Georgia is. is you know, from how they they played this weekend, you, you wonder what is what kind of Georgia team is going to show up. Now, again, you you have these guys. I'm sorry. Hold on one second, please. I have my Missouri my Missouri Tigers up. That's what I had up. But uh, yeah, oh, Ole Miss after losing to um, Florida State, I mean that was a big deal for them, and it's because. They had aspirations of also winning the national championship. So they recruit so well right now. I mean, they are in the top five of the recruits um, in the past three years. And they, this is, it's not going to be any different this year. So Alabama coming in, they can, they can play, they can run with Alabama. It was, I believe it was last year where they beat, you know, two years ago where they beat Alabama. And, you know, they shocked the world and that could really put them on the map. That also helped them out with their recruiting. And then they have Georgia after that, the next game. So this is going to be – this is the game that they have circled. Now, they had that tough schedule with FSU up front, and, and honestly, they had that game – you know, they had that game locked up if they if they would have just went ahead and finished it out. So Ole Miss can look at that and say, listen, we ran on one of the biggest programs in the nation, and now we're running with another one, and we're familiar with this team. 
this is not going to be uh, an easy win for Alabama. You have to go into Oxford, which is a tough place for anyone to play down in the Grove. It's going to be a, a great scene on at 3.30 on Saturday to watch this Alabama Ole Miss uh, tilt. So what about Oregon at this point? If you know, big high program, 2-0 and right now. They're ranked 17th. They get Nebraska next. Um, but technically, you know, Dakota, Dakota Prukop, he's put together some very good impressive zero interceptions against Virginia. And then so at this point, is, you know, is they, are they going to drop into, like, the top ten at this point? Are they, are they going to come into the top ten at any time, you think? Well, right now they're ranked 22. Uh, if they beat Nebraska, that that probably wouldn't bolt them all the way up to the top ten. Um, they're going to have to wait until October the eighth if Washington stays the course and and plays the way they're continuing to play. Right now, Washington is ranked number eight. So if Oregon can beat Washington and 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 um, Washington has to come uh, to Outson Stadium in Oregon to play that game, so Oregon has that advantage there. This right this year is going to be is typical Oregon. They have this up-tempo offense. They spread you out. They beat you in, in multi, in, multi uh, in a multitude of different ways. But I believe this year, if they can continue to do what they've been doing, if they can run Royce Freeman, who was a just a great running back that they have back there, and they haven't had a back like that in years. But if they can get Royce Freeman uh, running the way that they think they can, Oregon can, can take this pretty far. Right now, the Pac-10 is wide open, and they don't have to play Stanford, which is their biggest their biggest foe. They don't have to play Stanford until um, early in November. So Oregon can go ahead and get on the run here, build up some confidence on the way, and they can continue this run. But I think this weekend is not going to be much of a test for them going into Lincoln and Nebraska. I don't think it will be much of a test for them. I think Oregon will come out with the win in this one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the other, the other game, uh, the other team that I was talking about, Boise State, always a talk. You always have them come up, and and that's because they're not such a big program. But they've won thirty seven, thirty four, I think, consecutive regular season non conference home games. They knocked off Washington State. So, do you feel like the Broncos, if they get a big win at Oregon, uh, Oregon State, uh, would they be? you know, obviously climbing in the, in the ranking. It's a possibility because after they beat Washington state, it was, you know, a pretty decent um, middle of the road, Pac 10 team, but they're a, a very good program. If they can go ahead and beat Oregon state, that'd be another Pac 10, uh, Pac 12 team that they've beaten. So they will get consideration for as far as top 10, uh, top 25 rather. Now it's, it's pretty tough to play on that blue turf. It is. I mean, that, that home crowd that they have there is great. But this one, they have to go on the road into Oregon State. And I still believe that they'll have the advantage. Once once Boise State gets into conference play, it's going to be a lot easier for them. Uh, you got Brett Rippon, who was a great quarterback. Um, he's throwing for 646 yards this year. They got Jerry McNichols. They don't run the ball as much, but they this team can spread you out. and They could beat you in a multitude of ways also. Their key is getting that offense running the way it runs like a well-oiled machine. So if they can continue down that road, they're they're going to be pretty tough to beat, which they are every year. 
Yeah, and so it's, so it's going to be interesting this this week coming up as to who's you know who's going to be moving up in the rankings and who's going to be moving into the top ten, top fifteen. Um, let's let's go NFL now and let's talk a little bit about. Um, I don't want to go on my rant yet because I'm going to go on my rant, and you, you heard me on my rant last week. And I bet you were sitting at home watching Monday night, and you're like, uh, I'm pretty sure Oscar's, you know, steaming right off the years because I was. I was like, you know, what's going on? But let's start. Let's start with uh, Monday night. Uh, let's do the two Monday night games. And obviously, your your team was one of the focal teams on Monday night against the Steelers. So give us your uh, your take on Steelers and, and Redskins. Uh, Steelers are a great football team. Let's just start with that. Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion, he's the top five quarterback in the NFL. Antonio Brown may be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I'm not necessarily surprised at the outcome. I mean, I was hoping my team, the Washington Redskins, would equip themselves and come out and kind of take some of the momentum that they had from the previous season when they won, went 9-7, to won the NFC East. But listen, take nothing away from – I mean, you you have to take your hats off to Pittsburgh. I mean, they're just they're flat out a better team. What I did not understand was, and this is a continuing theme for the Washington Redskins, and I've, I tweeted this out ad nauseum during the game. They cannot stop the run, and they do not make adjustments. They just they just don't. If I'm sitting at home and I'm watching the Steelers line up, and the Redskins will come out with, and they have six in the box. And, you know, you'll see Ben Roethlisberger, okay, he's going to go ahead and check the pass. If I'm calling out that he's checking the pass, I don't understand how the Redskins didn't understand that he was checking the pass. If the Redskins came out with five in the box, he would check to run. They ran a draw a total of 13 times in the second half. And it was just, it was unbelievable how they could not understand. And D'Angelo Williams, take your hat off to that guy. 77 yards in the fourth quarter and they ran the same play over and over again and it was just it was child's play out there you what you could tell was is that one team is a good team and there's another team that's trying to um you know make that jump into being a good team the washington redskins are not ready to be a good team they're too undisciplined they don't have enough uh they don't have enough beef up front on the offensive or defensive lines it just they were just completely outmatched by a superior team. Now you know it. It just looked like, like you said, Pittsburgh was just at a different level, but you got you got some uh, some key you know key hopefuls there. So it wasn't like they lost badly, um, but overall it was it was a better game than than the Rams and Niners game. I can tell you that right now, especially if you're uh, <laughs> if you're on the East Coast watching that game. So I I was gonna go on a rant. But I found my rant master, and I'm going to go ahead and have him speak for me for just a second. Yeah. I'm not going to go back that far. I'm going to take his record with the Rams, 27, 37, and 1. That's what his record is. And he's, he's on record, 7 and 9. We're going to be better than 7 and 9. After watching them last night, if I don't see how they get to 4 or 5. I don't see it. Chase Keenum, 17 of 35. 130 yards, two INT. They had 10 total first downs. They had nine punts. The LA, they, they weren't playing Seattle, who they're about to play. They're playing San Francisco. And the fans of LA waited 21 years, and this is what they got. 
NFL has scripted the National Football League so the offenses can be like PlayStation. Yeah. And you can't even score a, a field goal. Yeah. Forget a touchdown. Yeah. A field goal. You could not even get in field goal position. And he, look, I don't advocate for no one losing their job. My question was, how did he get this job? What did he do? Because he, or is he still living off that one Super Bowl uh, uh, yeah. ride? Yeah. Jeff Fisher's a great coach. No, he's not. He's not great. He's average. That's what his record says he is. Yeah. Bill Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells says, you are what your record says you are. True. And he's a slightly above average head coach. Mm-hmm. We, oh, look at his defenses. And they gave up 21 points to San Francisco's offense, yeah. led by Blaine Gabbert, mm-hmm. who was a top 10 pick who's already on his second team. That's correct. And I'm like, why are we talking about Jeff Fisher like he's Coach Belichick? You, you know what he gets away with? About once a year, certainly since he's he'll been be in the team, division, he he'll beat one team in the division. Yeah, he'll go beat Arizona. Arizona yeah. did early last year. Yeah. Everybody say, here come those Rams. Yep. Boy, they're loaded. That defensive line is loaded with, really? Where, where were they last night? 28 to nothing? Seriously? 20, to San Francisco, and your best player got thrown out of the game mm-hmm. because he was so frustrated that they didn't get pressure on Blank Gabbert, that they were getting shut out, that he ended up pushing, making contact with an yeah. official. Yeah. And and somehow, I'm reading in the paper earlier, they were thinking about giving Jeff Fisher an extension. They, they have been. And by the way, just for the for record, what? The, the Jeff Fisher that I'm aware of through my media contacts, is beloved by the media. He's always been very good with the media, very open and accessible to the media, very great in off-the-record situations, telling you what's really going on with the media. He has a lot of media friends, and I think that serves him very well through these dark times that he's going through. Well, maybe he should get a job in television, because I don't... And that's my feeling right there. Exactly what Sterling Sharp said on Undisputed, and, I mean, come on. How can you still have a job, Troy? How can you still have a job? He has pictures of somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I can think of. I was like, he's got something on somebody. He's got something. He's holding something, somebody hostage. I'm I'm with you now. I mean, I used to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, and I watched that game, and I felt sick. I really did, man. I really felt sick. I, I could not watch this. I'm like, this is not an NFL product. And it's not like it's not like the Rams have a roster that is devoid of talent. But why are you starting Case Keenum? Why haven't you given this team more weapons on offense to work with at, at the wide receiver position? Why haven't you dedicated more bodies to that offensive line? He literally could have a juggernaut sitting on his hands with that defense that he's had over there for this long. And he has just refused to add anything to the offense. I just, I do not understand that guy for the life of me. I just, I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, you were the first person I thought of. I said, man, Oscar is tearing his damn hair out right now. (laughs) Just watching this garbage that they put on the field. And just, just think about this also. He and, and Shannon brought up a great point. How long did the LA fans have to wait to see that? To see that? I mean, and they were going on about how much it cost to park. There's like a hundred bucks to park there. 
at the stadium for that? No way. That, and I can't stand. You can't. Listen, I don't, I, you know, uh, Stan Kroenke, he must be a great businessman, but I don't know what in the hell he has on his mind keeping Jeff Fisher there as, as a head coach. He has got to move on from this guy because he is he is sinking this ship, and I'm starting to think he's doing it on purpose. I have no other recourse but to think that. Yeah, go ahead and listen here. Hold on. that because 15 other teams lost, that's okay. <laughs> we're okay. We got guys in that locker room. They're going to, they're going to get better. But you know, we're, I told my guys, Hey, don't worry guys. 15 other teams in this league lost too. So we're with them. Come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not even my high school coach would come up with that stupid line. What is wrong with this guy? You know, and then he's praising the Niners. Great job on that side for three quarters. I mean, you're sitting there going, I'm an idiot. I can't game plan. So I have to go ahead and praise the other coach who apparently got canned from Philly to go take a Niners. Oh, my God. I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? And then, you know, I was in the same when Aaron Donald literally just took the head off one of the Niners, I was in that mode. And when he threw the yeah. helmet on the ground, that was me. That was me right there. When he got ejected, yeah. I was like, I'm with him. I'm out of here. Right. This is just horrible. And you know what? The only bright spot that somebody had to calm me down was, we got an amazing punter. I mean, I got to take that, you know, the amazing punter. <laughs> who just kept us in good field position and not give them too much field position. So I got to give the punter credit. Great job. But, you know, this, this moronic coach, okay, hashtag Fire Fisher is on, brother. It was on last night. As soon as oh my the God. crappy first touchdown, it, it was in effect. And so, you know, I don't, I don't I understand this. And you're telling me that the kicker who can put up a 60 burner, okay, from 60 yards, you're telling me once you saw your offense stunk, and get stunk after stunk after stunk. You're telling me you couldn't get this guy to go. Hey, can you go ahead and just kick a 50 yarder? And let's just go for the 50 yard field goal. And see if we can at least put two, three decent points up there. Didn't even go that route. I'm like, what the hell are you talking? The 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 guy that walked onto the field from the stands was more exciting last night than anything else. That was just ridiculous. And not to mention, he did, he gained more yards than any uh, the offense night. I mean, that that was the ridiculous part. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That's, oh, and, you know, I'm just like oh, I, I'm just so blown away. This Monday night disaster. It's a massacre disaster. It, it wouldn't bother me so much, Troy. But you know how it's you got Cowboys and Redskins fever, and and you get to the stage where you don't want to lose to them. I mean, this right here. If he doesn't understand this, this is this is San Francisco, and we don't want to lose to San Francisco. It's California. It's north and south. You don't come in like that 
And then to piss me off even more, you're watching this guy on the sidelines with no passion. No passion. You're getting your ass whooped by three touchdowns on a team that is somewhat rebuilding, that is no better than you are, but apparently they are because you just got your ass whooped in a donut of all places. I was like, come on. And our quarterback throws it to a red jersey. What the hell is that? A red jersey. I'm like, what the hell? I, oh, I, I want to just go watch Pee Wee football at this point because it was just pathetic. It was just bad football. Uh, and, and against the Seahawks, you're saying we're going to get ready for the Seahawks? Your ass is going to get whooped by the Seahawks. The way you showed up, you're not ready for the Seahawks. Oh my God! It just—you know what? I'm just so—I'm on a—I was on an Erica Lynn Anderson rant last night, and I was just so pissed, you know. And so I was just like, "Get, get this guy fired." I, I mean, it's just like I'm waiting for—I'm waiting for a guy in LA right now, big fan. He's—he's—he's he's, he's producing a fire fire Fisher banner to be put on the Coliseum this coming Sunday. I'm like, <laughs> you put the damn banner. In Los Angeles at the Coliseum, and you send Kroenke and these morons in the front office a message that this guy sucks. This guy sucks. Oh, if he gets his ass beat on Sunday by the Seahawks <laughs> with another donut, okay, what do you think is going to happen then? I mean, if he gets beat and starts 0-2 in Los Angeles, Los Angeles is like New York. It's not St. Louis where people are just going to gripe and go home. In Los Angeles, if you're not a winner, you're done. Attendance, you're done. People don't care. They're going to go to the beach. Okay? doesn't matter. I feel bad for Gurley right now because he's going to run him to death. Okay? Uh, you know, where was Steven Jackson? Steven Jackson didn't go anywhere. No playoffs. No anything. I hope that, that that's not his, you know, his journey at this point for Gurley. You know what I mean? It's just it's just sad to see all the talent on this team, and and for him to to like hype it up during the uh, preseason. You know, somebody even tweeted me, "Where was this team? Where was this this Ram team that faced the Cowboys in preseason?" And like my response was, because there was no they weren't playing nobody on the Cowboys. They were playing the third stringers. No wonder you can blow them up like that. Oh, it was just like crazy, man. I was just so mad. Anyways, let's move on. Because so, so let me ask you La La Land done. Let, let me ask you a question. Do, when do you think that he is going to turn to Jared Goff? Because Keenum, listen, Jared Goff couldn't have done worse than that. He couldn't have done worse than that. I mean, I I will take Mannion. I would have taken Mannion yesterday I, if I was if I, I was a coach and I'm getting ass beat. I would have said, here, you know what his excuse was? I just wanted to give, you know, Case just to have him finish the game. So, for what? So he can lick his wounds? So, <laughs> you, you, you suck, but you know what? We're going to keep you in the game until you suck even more. See if you can I, – I, I, I need you to pick yourself up. But you're sucking already. And I'm a sucky coach, so I'm, I, I, I can't pull you out because then people are going to assume that I made a mistake. So, I'm going to keep you in there and just – put the blame on you that you're just a crappy quarterback and you're going to rebound next week. What an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. I mean, I can't say you're oh, hashtag idiotic, whatever. 
I mean, this is just ridiculous. And uh, I don't know, Troy, you know, I'm being calm right now, but I was not very calm. I was doing F-bombs and, and S-birds and everything else last night. And so yeah, it's I was like, right come on. I was like, stupid, stupid, stupid. That's all I could say as a, as a nice thing. Come on, man. It's like, you know, God, just color your beard at this point because you're grayer than gray, dude. You're done. Color your beard. Just do it. God, upgrade or something. Damn it. Oh, my God. And to to the Hawks, the the 12th man out in, in Seattle, God, you know, I, I never want to wish any anybody a bad ending, but have mercy on us. That's all I got to tell you. Have mercy on us. Because I, I just can see massacre at the Coliseum right now. This is ridiculous. Um, and, and it would be sad, you know. Yeah, and 112,000 show up for a preseason game. Wouldn't it be just ironic that only 6,000 show up for the Coliseum, which only – that would be just lame. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Just, yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. That's embarrassing. It would be embarrassing. I mean, come on, man. On Monday night of all play, I mean, I know Sunday's big too, but, you know, at least Sunday would have been just kind of like an afterthought. But on Monday, in front of a national audience, and then you're like, hey, you know what, for three quarters, that team over there, they play pretty well, huh? What an idiot. What an idiot. Oh, my God. Anyways, um, let's move on. Because he's got Seattle, and then he's got Denver. God help him. Because if they don't can him by ne- by next week or the week after, God help him. Because we're going to be so yeah, pissed. We're already pissed at this. It doesn't so, get any easier. Um, you know, doesn't get any easier. I mean, and, and the players last night were really disappointed with themselves. You saw the interviews. They were so deflated. Uh, we're just moving on to week two. We're going to just get better. I mean, they're just like, they're embarrassed. For them to go out there embarrassed. I mean, they were just embarrassed. I could not believe that. That was just lame. And and his press conference was even lamer. I mean, that's just like lame press conference. I mean, come on, man. You can't do that. Yeah. Not at this at this level of football. That's just so ridiculous. You know what I mean? And I was with Shannon yeah, Sharp this morning. I was like, yes, finally, somebody says what I'm trying to speak out here. Um, Saint Raiders. Let's go into that because I did have Drew Brees on my uh, fantasy squad, and thank you, Drew Brees, for the amazing 31 points. Hashtag awesome. So Saints and Raiders <laughs> really love the Raiders too. I mean, I really like the Raiders, even though you know. Uh, you know, they, they won by one, and I would rather take Del Rio's little gutsy uh, attitude after the game going, hey, you know what, that, that two points, two points conversion really took us over the top and gets us this one-point win. See, that's a coach, okay? Not, you know, for three quarters that team looked pretty good, huh? What do you guys think? I got great players in, the, in that locker room that didn't show up today, just to make sure you guys understand. We got great <laughs> players. Yeah, I'm like, oh, anyways. Uh, Cook, uh, Cook and Breeze, and then you got Cooper and uh, Amari Cooper and uh, Carr. Sort of a good connection there, starting to get pretty nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then you also have Michael Crabtree on the other side, and and New Orleans had Willie Sneed. Both of those teams, man, they were just going up and down the field, and that was that's that's what the NFL wanted to see. They wanted to see these high scoring teams, a lot of throwing, a lot of touchdowns being scored. Ballsy, ballsy move by Coach Del Rio to go for two. 
I personally don't see why more teams don't do it. I don't. I mean, I get it, right? It's it's high, it's it's high, you know, high drama. But listen, if you're gonna go ahead and go for two, I mean, if you're gonna if you're in there, you're playing the game, you're playing it to win. Just go for the two. I would go for two probably more than I would go for the extra point just to field goals. If I were a coach. Because you want to get that advantage. Now, you, you kind of throw the game out of whack at that point because you're going to still have these old-school coaches who just want to go ahead and get the extra point. But let's just see if, you know, you can work on your, your, your goal line offense and you can score these two-point conversions. You're putting these other teams in a bind as far as scoring. I just think if you went ahead and did the analytics on it, I think going for two – would be a lot better for most of these teams. But big shout-out to the Raiders for coming out with that win. They still need some work on defense, and we knew this secondary was going to be an issue. But, I mean, they were playing against Drew Brees. You do get a pass when that happens. He's going to torch people, especially playing in New Orleans. But that was a fantastic game to watch. It was great. Now, all the games this weekend were really close, very intense. Everything pretty much on the whole slate on Sunday was really intense. Besides the crappy Monday night evening game on the West Coast. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, East Coast. You know too. what I mean? <laughs> it was just, you know, the Patriots surprised me with the backup quarterback. They played a decent game. I think it was I was more disappointed with Arizona's performance than anything. Uh, even though they only lost by two points, they basically, you know, got down by ten points early. So they were getting, you know, they were getting a, a Patriots team going and that you got to give credit Belichick somehow no matter what this guy comes up with some good playmakers and his players end up stepping up hashtag Fisher listen up you know what I mean they just step up and so you know there's a there's a testament right there backup quarterback and they put they pull up a win um same thing in 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 um, Seattle against the Dolphins I mean it was by two points there as well but you know uh Miami didn't really play that well and Seattle didn't play that well but you know they pull up a win out and then you got uh, the Buccaneers with Winston and Evans out there taking care of uh, Atlanta and so you know Hulu Jones wasn't such a big factor at this point but still impressive with Tampa Bay what do you think of Tampa Bay well Tampa Bay was one of my sleeper teams that I mentioned last week and that and that's the reason why because of how they can move the football. I I just had a feeling that Jameis Winston, being the type of person that he is, he commits himself to winning. And you saw the work that he put in in the offseason. The guy lost 20 pounds. He didn't have that kind of uh, that doughboy Mr. Potato Head look to him anymore. You know, he trimmed down. He he's, he's a guy that tries to perfect his craft. And when I saw the work that he put in, I was just like, I, listen, the Bucks are poised for this run. They're poised for a good run. I mean, you got the muscle hamster. You got you got uh, Evans on on the on the end. You still got Vincent Jackson out there, wide receiver. This team is poised for a run, and I just think that that division is right for the taking. Now, they are they going to outseat? Are they going to unseat Carolina? It, it's a possibility. I just think that they have the pieces there to compete in that division in the NFC South, and I will not be surprised if they win the division. They've been my pick all this year. Yeah, and I was impressed with actually the Lions of all teams this weekend. I was really impressed with Stanford, really impressed with their uh, their press. Real early, 21 over in, within two quarters, 
They really put up an offensive mind game, but more impressive, I think, was basically Andrew Luck, who literally put, you know, took his team to a point where he was almost uh, to a win. So losing by four, no big, you know, no, no bad thing there. But, you know, I was impressed with actually Andrew Luck. So what, what was your take on Lions and Colts? I did like the way Andrew Luck looked. Um, the one thing that I was happy about with was that he started to take care of the ball. I mean, that's his, that was his, um, you know, one minus if, if he had one at all was that he was just, you know, he, he'll throw, he'll throw a pick in a minute instead of throwing the picks, he took a sack, you know, so he was, he was only sacked twice. He was hit a few times. They still have to do something with that offensive line, but I just liked the way he played. But back to what you were saying about Stafford, extremely, extremely impressed by that guy. 31 to 39, 340 yards and three touchdowns. Huge game for him. But I think I don't know if you got if you took a look at it uh, at the at the in the fourth quarter, the leadership that he had. I mean, he was getting in guys' faces. You had a guy that didn't get out of bounds, a guy that ran the wrong route, and he jumped up and he lit him up like right there on the field. I mean, just screaming and yelling and. He was making sure these guys need to understand what page they're trying to be on. Okay, so for him to show that leadership, and, and I guess that was that was also one of the knocks on him is that he didn't have that leadership. And now you see him kind of taking the reins, especially with Calvin Johnson being retired. How everyone wanted to know how they were going to uh, move on offensively. I think they took a great step in trying to answer that question. He spread the ball around the eight different receivers. That's what you want to see from your leader. That's what you want to see from a great quarterback. Now, you know, I was impressed with the Jags keeping toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers this weekend. To me, it was that was a really good game. I ended up watching that game, and, and to me, it was just like they lose by, I think, uh, five or I think six or four points. They lose by four, but very impressive with the Jaguars. And we had talked about how they might be able to go and own that division you know, at some point. So based on their schedule, they have an opportunity to do that if they're playing as good as they, they played against, uh, obviously, Green Bay. Yeah, another one of my sleeper teams that I had picked, I just felt like they had all the pieces put together as well. They, I think the key for them, they're, they're going to score points. Blake Bortles, is, is, he's, a, he's a very, very – he's a young quarterback, but he is big time up and coming. This guy can sling it around. He was tied for he was second in the league last year in touchdown passes. He can move the ball up and down the field. Are they going to get something out of the running game from this from this team? And how are they going to do on defense? I think they took a big step forward in answering that yesterday. Uh, excuse me on Sunday playing against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a huge day, but Aaron Rodgers, man, this guy can he made the, the play where uh, Jalen Ramsey was pulling on his jersey, and he still threw that touchdown pass, was just just absolutely amazing. That's the kind of plays that this guy makes. And for this – but I, I agree with you as far as Jacksonville going toe-to-toe with this team. They stuck with it, and they, they put the hammer down, And the, but they're going to have to end up – they're going to have to run the ball a little bit more. And I just think coming up the next few weeks, you're going to start seeing this Jacksonville team start to make bigger stops. You're going to see them play a lot better. Green Bay's a great team, and they 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 made Green Bay work for every single point that they got in that game. So hats off to the Jaguars. But you know, again, you got to give props to the Packers. They were the better team, 
And that's what you, but that was also the thing that you see over the weekend as well. The good teams finished the game, made the least amount of mistakes. I think that's the biggest difference between any NFL team that you look at. The, the team that makes the least amount of mistakes, those are the teams that usually win the games. Now, the, the big game that got my attention beyond that game was Kansas City and the Chargers. The Chargers, first and foremost, with Gordon coming and really making an impact early with the two touchdowns. But the bottom line is, you know, KC, uh, you know, and, and Alex Smith, just, I mean, they were balling towards the end there. They, they came back from a deficit. They really, they really stuck together. Uh, they put in a 10 place to march uh, 75 yards in overtime, which basically finishes uh, one of the Smith's biggest comebacks in, in the Chiefs history. So, I mean, I was really impressed with Kansas City's, you know, uh, resilience to stay in the game, not get down. And I was more disappointed, I think, with San Diego once again. I mean, they have talent. They have a good quarterback. It just means they just they cannot seem to put it away. They cannot seem – I mean, it was so good to have Gordon, uh, you know, get hyped up a little bit early, but then all of a sudden, you know, they just can't – they cannot muster the win, in other words. It's kind of disappointing. Well, the, the underrated issue with San Diego, and most people won't pay attention to it because of all the other big names at this position, is when your best wide receiver and your top wide receiver gets hurt, Keenan Allen, that's when everything kind of went downhill for that team. Now, a lot of people won't agree with me on this one. But Troy, Troy, they still had a a good running game even when he went down. So it's not like they became one-dimensional. They could could have still pounded the ball. They were up, I think – I think they were they were up on the Chiefs they, for three and almost three up, quarters, so they could have they changed 20, their game plan a little bit. They were up twenty-one to three at, at halftime, but once Correct. once Keenan Allen got hurt in the second quarter, they that downfield threat was now at at that point it was neutralized, and they scored six points the rest of the game. So they know the Kansas City knew. Okay, so we're not worried about any. No one at that wide receiver position scares us. Now, yeah, they did run the ball a little bit more, but no one at that wide receiver position. And you still have to have balance, especially with a quarterback like Phillip Rivers. So when Keenan Allen went down, I believe that was the cha- that was the game changer at that point. He's out for the season at this point. San Diego is going to have a tough time moving forward without their biggest and best pl- and their best player on their team. Yeah, and you also had a combination of Ware and Macklin with Smith. And that really, in the fourth quarter, the 17 points in the fourth really, um, you know, put uh, KC in a position, obviously, in overtime to win it by that six points. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a good, it was an exciting game to watch. But I felt bad for the for the Bolt fans because they had done so well in the first, you know, three and a half quarters or two and a half quarters that all of a sudden, you know, when he went down, it was just a deflating game at this point. Um, the Eagles, the talk of the NFL, Mr. Wentz. Uh, wish he was in L.A. at this point with, you know, well, I wish he's not in L.A. at this point because the coach is just horrible. Anyways, forget it. I wish he was not in L.A. at this point. Anyway, so you have a, a situation with the Eagles, 29-10, and um, Wentz comes up and does his job, puts the Eagles first win of the season. You know, Redskins lose, Cowboys lose. Um, I believe the Giants lost as well, right, or the Giants won. So it puts him right in position with New York. And Philadelphia, uh, RG3, God, just 
this kid cannot get a break for some reason. Uh, you well, know, he, very he impressive outing stuff. for the Eagles. Yeah, RG3 breaks a lot of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I feel bad for him. I, I feel horrible for RG3. Um, and also feel horrible anytime the Eagles win a football game. Um, but you got to take your hats off to Carson. I mean, yeah, to Carson Wentz. He he played he played solid. He he was he was sharp. Um, he got the ball out when he needed to. He got the ball to his playmaker and, and Jordan Matthews. And that's what you expect from that kind of. That's what you expect from a good rookie quarterback is to take what they give you and then take shots downfield when they're available. And that's what he did. They didn't really have too much respect for him. It looks like the the Browns didn't. And it didn't look like they had a, a, a game plan that was, you know, uh, conducive to stopping him. They were more so worried about Ryan Matthews running the football. But you got to take your hat off to Carson Wentz for, you know, uh, leading his team down the field and also leading his team to a victory. I hate the Eagles. <laughs> Just had to throw that out. There. Well, we know that. I mean, your your passion is about as good as mine against the Niners. It's just it's just oh, that kind gosh. of passion for it. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Mariota, you said would be an improved quarterback. He did did pretty well for the first two quarters. They were up ten to zero on the Vikings, uh, but then Sean Hill and company with Peterson, uh, you know, they 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 right the ship here. One one and zero and begin the season without uh, Bridgewater. So you got to give uh, Minnesota defense. A lot of credit in this game by beating uh, Tennessee. Very underrated defense, uh, that Minnesota crew. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why no one pays attention to that defense. Maybe it's because of where they play. Uh, and they're not on you know national TV all that much. But that team can play some defense. And Mike Zimmer can scheme up a def- defense like nobody's business. The dude is, is legitimate. And I know people you know felt like Teddy Bridgewater – uh, when he, once he got injured, that the Viking season was over. Well, Teddy Bridgewater was like the 28th ranked passer last year. He's an up and coming guy, so you can get by maybe these next two weeks for Sean Hill until, um, sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sam Bradford gets ready. Bradford. Uh, you Bradford. Yeah, the guy that left LA for Philadelphia that nobody knows yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Once they get him on, on on board, I just think that Minnesota team can really take it far. I just think that the Packers may be taking a step back from what I've seen this, this thus far. They may be taking a step back, and the Vikings are ready to jump up into that catbird seat right now. Yeah, and, you know, the Bengals, I really love A.J. Green. Uh, thank you, A.J. Green, for all the fantasy points. Appreciate it. Uh, so I really love A.J. Green, <laughs> and so uh, keep doing your thing, buddy because it just makes me happy. Uh, the Bengals uh, squeaked by the Jets. Very impressive uh, Jets outing. Fitzpatrick and company there, they played pretty pretty good ball for the first two quarters, and they, they get shut out in the third. But overall, they played a pretty good game. So it was kind of like, you know, they get edged by one. So not a, not a bad team in New York at this point. Uh, we had talked about them being the number two in the division in the AFC East alongside New England, it just starts to look like they are going to be that, even though they just they fall this week. But it's, it looks like they have a good nucleus offensively. Their defense isn't too bad at this point. Uh, but the, the Bengals, uh, you know, what, what can you say? They're pretty impressive. They got weapons now offensively, as long as they can keep a good, decent uh, defense, which they held, you know, obviously the Jets at 22 points. It's pretty decent. So what do you think of the Bengals? 
it's it's one of my favorite teams to watch. I mean, I love I love watching that team. I just think Andy Dalton is a very underrated quarterback. They don't give him the love he deserves. The guy, it, listen, the Jets pounded Andy Dalton, pounded him. They sacked him seven times. They hit him another countless. They hit him countless times, and he stood in there. He took it all. He was twenty-three and thirty, three hundred sixty-six yards on the touchdown. AJ Green just absolutely torched Revis. But you have to look at everyone says, "Oh, look at AJ Green's numbers," but you don't give Andy Dalton the credit. He threw absolute dimes that were right there, right on point. And those are the kind of passes that you have to have when you're playing against a cornerback like Revis. And he was not afraid at all. So you got to give Andy Dalton his props. I love watching that team play on defense. They have a lot of horses that are underrated. I cannot wait to see how they equip themselves this week when they go into Heinz Field and play the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's be that's their biggest rivalry. Um, and, and I want to see what kind of bad blood kind of uh, boils over from that playoff game that they had last year and going into this game because I know both of these teams can't, really can't wait to see each other. Well, and the Osweiler story and the era in Houston begins with a win. So big money, and obviously right now you're getting some dividends behind this quarterback. So they they beat twenty three to fourteen against Chicago. Chicago, I thought would come out and and they came out really good for the first first two well first quarter and a half, and then they sort of just kind of like just just deflated. Uh, but Houston, obviously, um, they invested in this quarterback, and everybody thought you know when he was in Denver he wasn't going to do much because of the Denver you know the nucleus in Denver. But uh, Houston has been underrated for the last three years. They needed a leader in terms of uh, running this offense. And if this kid can step up with all the hype and all the pressure, um, and, you know, if they they go 3-0 or 4-0 within the next couple weeks, then, uh, you know, you got to give this guy props. Yeah, and uh, Osweiler, you know, he he did pretty well his first first game out. And I think the biggest thing for them was having somebody to take the, the, the pressure off of him. They ran Lamar Miller 28 times. He ran 400 yards. And then you also needed that second receiver opposite of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and you have that in Will Fuller, the rookie. He, he also had five catches for 107 yards. You wanted to see that happen uh, so you can get a little bit of balance on that Houston team because teams are basically going to just yeah, – they were going to tilt the covers at DeAndre Hopkins' way. He was still – even last year when he was basically their only option, he was still making plays. So now they're even more dangerous. If you can get some confidence under Osweiler, and right now he looks pretty confident, they should be pretty good going down the road. I still don't necessarily have as much confidence in that team as I do the rest of their division, but I think Houston, with their defense, I think that's the great equalizer for them. Now, you know, when Kishi was here, if she would say that obviously Buffalo was going to be the team this year, and I hate to tell you, Kishi, but Buffalo is not the team. And so no. uh, Flacco no. and company – you know, just edge. I mean, they're not a bad team. I'm not saying they're a bad team. Uh, they're just playing. In, they're playing in a very tough division, and the Jets improving. New England with the backup quarterback, keeping streaks alive there. Um, I mean, Miami uh, barely loses to Seattle. It's going to be tough for Buffalo to even come up to that level. So um, at this point, you know, uh, the Ravens. You know, they play. They know where they're at. They got. They got to get wins. 
in order for him to be competitive with obviously Cincinnati and and obviously the showing that uh, the Steelers did this past weekend. Uh, Cleveland is Cleveland as always. It's not like nothing new there. Um, so you know Baltimore did do their part there. Uh, the Giants in your division, uh, it was the Cowboys with the backup quarterback. Um, they did what they had to do. They get edged by one point. So not a bad performance by Dallas overall. But, uh, you know, New York gets their first win with the new uh, regime of head coach. So you got to uh, hand it to them. And in the second quarter, they basically took control. They shut out. Uh, they took control in the second quarter. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they just uh, found a way to kind of beat the Cowboys. So uh, pretty impressive um, with, both, with both squads in general. Uh, with the changes in New York and the, and the first win, and obviously uh, progression by uh, uh, Prescott in, uh, in in Dallas. Yeah, and, and that team is just going to get better. Uh, the Dallas that Dallas football team is just going to get better. Dak Prescott uh, came out there and he he made some plays out there. You, you saw somebody that was confident that kind of knew where he wanted to go with the ball. Um, he didn't take any sacks. Um, he didn't turn the ball over. He also didn't throw a touchdown pass, but you know what? You you, can't, you give him a pass for that because he's still learning to play the position. I really like what I saw out there from him, and I like the fact that they wanted that the Dallas Cowboys wanted to pound the football the way that they did, running Ezekiel Elliott twenty times and out for more seven times. I like the way that they ran that offense. Um, now on the New York Giants side, uh, Eli Manning he was pretty effective. You know, he threw for three touchdowns. It's nice to see Victor Cruz come out there and do the salsa dance again. They have some weapons on that team. But for both of these teams also expose a lot of weaknesses that they have on defense. Neither one of these teams are very dynamic on the defensive side. So what you, what you have uh, on both sides are teams that are going to struggle to make plays, and they're basically going to hope that other teams do stupid things to, to help them out. But if, you, if, you, if you're not being, you know, um, just, just – uh, just being haphazard with the football. I think both of these defenses have defensive teams that can be had, and you can also throw the Redskins defense in there as well. So not the most defensive teams in that division. So it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of uh, fights in that division as far as on the offensive side. Yeah. And the game that everybody's talking about because of the, of the head, um, you know, the, the hits to the head to Cam Newton, I just don't understand it. I mean, it's just to me. I watch the game. I just I don't see it. How can you miss that? And how can you miss that? I mean, all the plays that you got on that quarterback were lunges to the head, weren't even waistline tackles, and nobody got ejected. But my guy, you know, starts choking a Niner guy, you know, right by the back of the helmet, and then just throws his helmet off, and he gets ejected. That's just ridiculous. This quarterback, I mean, Cam was just getting his butt, his clocked. You know, he's getting clocked, and no ejections. I couldn't understand that part. I mean, explain that to me. I I, I wish I could. I just, you know, I hate to speculate as to why that they would allow something like that, but I, I almost think with all the, you know, all the antics and the celebrating and the things like that, I'm kind of starting to think that they maybe thought he deserved it, you know? And that's just not, that's not what you want to do with your, with your, your, your league MVP. You do not want that guy taking shots like that. 
especially with, you know, with the concussion syndrome and trying to protect the players and especially with protecting the quarterbacks. You know but what? Now you have Troy? a different set of rules with this guy? That just doesn't make sense. Troy, Troy, I, I don't want to go the race card, but you know if that was Peyton Manning and somebody would have hit him on the head, he would have been ejected. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like this is the MVP of the national football. This is not just an ordinary quarterback. You know, this is the MVP, and it wasn't like you couldn't replay the, you know, replay the the the, the play from the booth above. Somebody could have just said, "Hey, you know what? You, you guys made a wrong call on the, uh, downstairs. You guys are going to have to own it." I, I was more irate at the fact that I was more mad at the fact that neither coach, or not the, or not the, uh, I mean, the Carolina coach. I was irate that the Carolina coach, when he saw that, wasn't pissed off. You know, that he didn't call for the refs, you know, just, just pull a baseball where you, you kick dirt on the mound or you kick dirt on the base. You know what I mean? I, that's the thing that just bugged me. The fact that, Fight for your you know, Fight for no, your yeah, guy. but I'm just saying it wasn't like it was a play where there was a bunch of players in there and you couldn't see clearly how he got hit. We got instant right. replay. We got slow-mo. We got everything. It was legitly wrong. When you review the tape, I mean, I was I was at the point where I was a couple buddies of mine with me. I, we were at a point where are they going to hand suspensions after this game? You know what I mean? Because in the National Hockey League, for example, they review each game, and if if the if the refs somehow miss a play or miss a you know a bad boarding call or something like that that was detrimental to a player's health or whatever, they review it and then they go forward and go, hey, you're suspended for two games or three games going forward because you're not allowed to do that. And this right, right here is just wrong. And that's what, I don't have any justification. I can't, even, I can't even sit here and say, well, you know, the defensive player, he just kind of just, you know, he took a wrong step or he jumped up. No, uh, every hit was literally the player was jumping from the ground to the head motion. It wasn't like they were trying to tackle him from waist down. They were literally trying to knock him out. It was like helmet to helmet. And so it's like, I don't know. I mean, this is why I think that all of us have this issue with Goodell. Because I'm pretty sure he watched that game. It's a Thursday night game. Nobody else is watching any other game. And the MVP quarterback of your league is, you know, getting whacked. And the refs are not calling the plays. You would think the commissioner of the league would have stepped up and said, hey, review that game. And if there's an infraction there, we need to make a decision about not allowing that to happen ever again. And let's send the message to, you know, the Broncos that this is not going to be allowed for next week. You know what I mean? It's over and done with, but send a message. You know what I mean? Send a message to the defensive players in the league by saying helmet to helmet will not be allowed. And the refs, to me, should have been fined. The ref across from the play should have been reprimanded. I mean, do the right thing. That's what I'm trying to say. You, imagine this. Uh, if he would have gotten his head clock and he wouldn't come back, he wouldn't have came back in the game. Imagine that. If he would have laid right on the ground, on the field, and all of a sudden he couldn't get up. Right? And I'm, I'm sure. not talking about the first hit. The first hit was just, well, no big deal. You know, it, it happened. It, it, we missed it or whatever. I'm, 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 I'm even giving them the benefit of the doubt of missing one call. 
But when it's repeated more than once, uh, that that is just blank. I mean, that's just bad. And officiating-wise, it's bad. And so, I mean, I don't understand how that can happen. But, I mean, God, I, I, felt, bad. I felt bad for Newton. That's what I'm saying. I, I felt horrible for him. Yeah, not to mention that, you know, you have the, the uh, a player on the opposing team, Derek Wolf, <clears throat> who came out and said, Listen, if you're supposed to be putting this emphasis on CTE, but you didn't call any of the times that we hit the guy, they're admitting that they did. You know, they they hit the guy, and nobody called anything. I know that's that's and what I'm trying to tell ridiculous. you. That's that's yeah, my message. It's, it's like ridiculous. these guys knew that they got away with murder. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like that's exactly what they did. They, they excuse me under oath. Can you? Yeah, yeah, we killed him, but you know, based on the <laughs> uh, court ruling, we we. You know, our our lawyer over here for three quarters, as Jeff Fisher would say, our lawyer let us off. Good guy over here. Right. Good play. Oh, come on, man. And and I was just disappointed in, in the fact that the league didn't take a stance on it. I was more disappointed with the fact that the, his own coaching staff, you know, should have just thrown a flag, should have made an irate uh, demonstration saying, hey, what are you, what's going on here? It's helmet to helmet on my quarterback. Are you are you guys right. blind? You know what I mean? I, I was like I was that's the thing that bugged me. It's like the fact that nobody on the coaching staff, nobody not even the offensive coordinator said, Hey, call down there and tell them, Hey, get the coach get the uh the officials to to take a minute and listen to us because that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Just straight out yeah. that attitude. This is crap, you know? And nobody right. did that. So I'm like, God, that just it it bugs me to the point where it it, it just it, it's not human it's it's inhumane, basically. Nobody would beat down a dog like that. In other words, you know, you don't beat up a pet like that, and then all of a sudden you just say, "I'm sorry." I mean, this is a career. This is guy. This guy's. This is his career on the line. And head, head. You know, we're as much as we talk about concussions. Uh, this was just a bad overall. You know, lead from league to officials to even the coaching staff, just not not protecting a quarterback. I mean, just it's just bad. And so, I mean. I don't know. I, I, it just said bad. It, it said not good, not good with me. And the fact that they lost by one game, I mean, I, I got to give him credit for the fact that he stood in there. He took more than one shot. And at the end, he was professional. I mean, he was literally pro even in the press conference. But you know right off the bat, based on what happened, uh, this guy's going to be more aggressive next time. You know what I mean? You can tell he's going to be more aggressive because he, he, he just – I think he was literally mad in that aspect of it. And if I was him the next game, and if something, if somebody comes up to me and barely tries to hit me on the helmet, I'll, I'm going to like go off and go, hey, that was almost helmet to helmet. What, you, what are you watching? I mean, th- that's the attitude that you're going to have to go, like literally confront a ref and go, are you blind? You know, I mean, you're yeah, going to exactly. have to go to that route now, which is ridiculous. Now you have to defend yourself as a quarterback because the officials are just end up to make the call. Just ridiculous. Definitely agree with you, man. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. It was bad. It was just bad. But, you know, they get the win, uh, 1-0 Broncos. And so what did you think of the quarterback? Is it Simon or Simon? Simon. Simon, right? Uh, Trevor, Trevor Simeon, he, yeah. yeah, he's a Simeon, second year guy out of, out of Northwestern. And I, and I figured this and, you know, a lot of people laughed at me, but I said he was going to be, he was going to play better than Peyton Manning did last year. And he did. He he took care of the football. Um, even though he got two interceptions, 
one was a bad pass. He just needs to get the ball a little bit higher, and he'll he'll learn that, you know, as, as, as time goes on. But I just think going forward, I just think he was very efficient, and I think he'll continue to be efficient just by the way he plays the football game, just by the way he plays football. That defense is definitely going to keep them in it, but they have a lot of weapons on offense to run the ball with C.J. Anderson also. And, um, you know, and just the way that they play the football with Thomas also at the wide receiver position, they're going to be able to make plays downfield when they need to, but their defense is definitely going to carry them along. I just think that they have the better chance to win that division. I know the Chiefs had a great comeback against um, against the Chargers, but I think still Denver is the class of that division. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we got Jets and Bills in on Thursday night football. Uh, Jets and Bills on Thursday night football. Um, hopefully, it's better than Rams and Niners. That's for us <laughs> to watch at this point. You. You know, I'm pretty um, sure it'll be better people, than Jets and People will come out and say after watching week one, they would say that the Jets are the better team, but a lot of people don't They forget. Maybe Jets fans and Bills fans don't forget. But the Bills swept that team last year. And when the, when the Jets needed to win those games, especially that last game at the end of the season, if the Jets would have won that game, they would have been in the playoffs, and they just choked. And I'm sorry to say, but, you know, Fitzpatrick is just not that guy that you can count on in those big spots. And I think this right here is a must-win game for both of these teams. I just I, – I don't know. I have a feeling – well, I know Sheldon Richardson is back, so that defensive line is strong, and they couldn't protect Tyrod Taylor out there. But I just think that the Bills have their number. And with Rex Ryan playing in that New York team, I just think he has that extra motivation to, to beat them every time that he sees them on the field. So I think the Bills are going to win that game. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think Buffalo rebounds, uh, even though I think the Jets have – they'll keep it close, but I really think uh, Buffalo uh, will edge them. Um, so let's go into uh, the Sunday games. Let's go into a blitz mode here, and we'll pick, we'll pick the winners and see how well we did. Um, I am taking Carolina over San Francisco, and no surprise there for me, right? Because I hate San Francisco, so I would have taken anybody against San Francisco anyways. But anyways, I'm taking Carolina uh, against Frisco. And so uh, who are we taking? Who are you taking? Are you still there, Troy? Can you hear me, Troy? Troy, are you there? Let's see here. Let's see if we can get Troy back on here. Troy, are you there still? All right, so I will finish up here. Um, Redskins, Cowboys. Uh, we, I'm looking towards... Washington at this point, uh, given what they've played on there. So, um, Troy, what, what are you taking? All right, Troy dropped off, so we will get him back on in a second here. As soon as he comes back on, here we go. So we got a little bit of a – Troy, are you back? I am. A little bit of technical difficulties. Okay. No, no worries. I thought you had dropped off a little bit. So – I'm taking Carolina over San Francisco at this point. So, um, uh, who are you taking? Well, that's my easiest game of the week right there. Um, there's the 
San Francisco, they're 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 just a fraud. They're they're not a twenty eight to nothing uh, you know, beating a team twenty eight to nothing. That's just that's just not gonna happen again. Carolina's gonna beat them probably by more than two touchdowns. All right, so we get Redskins, Cowboys. So I will take your Redskins over the Cowboys at this point. I think Cousins and company uh, rebound, and uh, they're they're the better team, I think, defensively too. So we'll take we'll take in Washington against Dallas. Redskins at home. I think they have the better offense. Both teams struggle on defense. I'm going to take the Redskins at home. All right, so um, we're taking it's Bengals Steelers. Um, you know, it's just it, the way the Steelers played and the way the Bengals have played, it's pretty evenly matched at this point. The difference, I think, will be defensively. So I'm going to go with Steel Town. Um, they're playing at Heinz Field, so typically I would go with Pittsburgh. But I think Cincinnati has them. I think Cincinnati has the better defense, and I think that Cincinnati actually has the better offense. I'm going to go with the Bengals. All right. So we got Breeze versus Manning. And uh, so the Saints coming off that one hard-fought loss against uh, Oakland, and now they get New York, who's coming off a one-point win against the Cowboys. Uh, I really think uh, New Orleans was, is going to light this up. They, they played really well. They did pretty pretty good. I know the Giants are up and coming at this point, but offensively I think the I'm taking New Orleans as the better offense to score more points. I think last year these teams played, it was like 52-49. to 49. Uh, That was a fantastic game. You're going to see a second straight shootout uh, for New Orleans. I think that the New Orleans Saints win this game up in, in the East Rutgers. Now you got New England with uh, Garofalo playing a second start, doing a second start at home at this point, and they're taking on Tannehill and company, and uh, I don't think it's going to be a contest at all here. New England at home is virtually unbeatable. Um, they have Miami's number all up and down the field. I think they're able to win the game. Now we got a, a Houston at Kansas City. Kansas City coming off a nice comeback win in overtime against uh, the Chargers, and then the Texans getting their getting their first win with Osweiler. So um, I'm going to take KC here because I think they they have uh, a little bit more discipline, and I think they'll be able to edge Houston. Playoff rematch, I think the biggest difference is this time it'll be in Houston. I'm going to take the home team, the Houston Texans. All right. And then the Lions take on um, Stafford and Mariota versus Mariota. Uh, the way Detroit came out, the way things played out in Detroit, um, I, you know, the Titans are growing. They're doing some good things, but I, I'll take Detroit. I think this is Detroit's also. I just like the way that they're playing. Big two and no start for the Lions that have given a big leg up in that, in that North Division. And then it's going to be Ravens and Browns. And if, if you know, if LeBron James shows up at quarterback, I'll take the Browns. But at this point, <laughs> we're going with Baltimore. I'm going to take Cleveland. I think Cleveland is actually going to come out and play a little bit better now that they they're going to be less solid at quarterback because I don't think Baltimore is going to respect them. So I think Cleveland is actually going to surprise and beat them at home. You're taking dog pound? Wow. I'm, that's a, that's Yeah. So LeBron is going to show up. That's what you're saying to me? <laughs> <laughs> is that the surprise of the week right there? LeBron James, a quarterback yeah. for the Browns? <laughs> nice. He's like oh, a bunch of um, that team. 
And it's going to be the it's going to be the massacre at the Coliseum. That's what we're going to call it now. It's going to be the Hawks taking on the Rams. And unless the Ram defense somehow, uh, I don't know, gets some a lot of Red Bulls <laughs> and contains Seattle, it's going to be a very bad outing. Uh, hashtag Fire Fisher Week Two. Fire Fisher Week Two. So well, we're going with. The, I'm going. Obviously, I can't take my Rams this week because, as much of a loyalist I am, I'm also a realist. And I really think Seattle has too many weapons and too much uh, on a defensive end of things. And um, Wilson just, you know, we play tough each time, but I will be shocked if Los Angeles pulls this win out. So I, I'm seriously, literally, it's just like pissing in my pants. But I just don't see it right now. I just don't see it. The way, that, the way they've done things, the way the coach, the coach is doing things, just don't see it. So I'm going to give – Maybe Seattle and Edge here. Uh, I say they win by two or three touchdowns at this point because I mean they might score on the Seahawks, but I just don't think um, they couldn't score on the Niners. I just, anyways, I'm off. Uh, let me get off the box here. Seattle, I'm taking Seattle over the Rams at this point. Russell Wilson has a sprained ankle. He may not play. From what I'm told, he will play. Uh, even if he doesn't play, I just think Seattle just has a better team. I think Seattle. It'll be, though, I think it'll be much. People will think, um, but I still, yeah. All right, so we got Arizona and needs to rebound after losing to New England, and yet the, the Buccaneers uh, with Winston look pretty good. So um, I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I, I really think that they they have it, and Arizona going 0 and 2 will be a big story in the West. I'm Arizona. I just. Arizona is too well coached and too talented to lose two straight games and two straight games at home. That never happens to them. I don't see them losing two straight at home. I'll give me Arizona. All right. So then we take the Bolts, taking on the Jaguars. Uh, at this point, I really want to root for San Diego, but given Bortles' performance uh, this past weekend and their offensive weapons and Allen uh, and all in company, I just – uh, you know, and then losing losing their uh, receiver, uh, I think Jacksonville gets the edge here. I'm reluctantly going to take Jacksonville. Um, I think San Diego is just – they have many parts that are missing and not enough playmakers on that offensive team. I just think Jacksonville is going to start getting on a roll. I think this is where that roll starts, give me Jacksonville. All right, I will say it right here. Every year that the Rams start in a lousy start, the Raiders end up going into a promised land stage, which is closer to a playoff mentality. And Jack Del Rio's Raiders taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Matty Ice, Julio Jones didn't really impress me in, in, this, in this first week. And so if the Raiders can keep it close, just like they did against the Saints, um, I'm going to give the Raiders the edge here. It's going to be very close. If they can keep it close, they win. Otherwise, they're probably going to lose. But I'm taking Oakland. I think Atlanta lost a lot of parts on defense, but that Oakland defense has way too many holes. I think Matty Ice is going to take advantage of that. They had the personnel to really give – Atlanta has the personnel to give Oakland a lot of problems. I'm going to go ahead and take the Falcons in this one. All right. So, and then the Broncos visit uh, Andrew Luck and the Colts, uh, given their performance against Carolina. Uh, I think Indianapolis has a good shot. I think the Broncos get their first loss. 
I'm going to take the road dog here. I'm going with Indianapolis. I think Andrew Luck is a special player. I think Denver is going to get a little bit exposed in the past game here. Now, I know they have the best corners in the NFL, but I think Andrew Luck is just that much of a special player. Give me the Colts on this one. I'm going to go ahead and take a flyer on that one. Yeah, and um, Aaron Rodgers taking on Minnesota, given the, the Minnesota D playbook with Sean Hill. Um, I don't want to go against Aaron Rodgers, but I'm thinking uh, if they can keep it close, I'm going to give the edge to the Vikings at home. Uh, home opener, brand-new stadium opening for the Minnesota Vikings. Any other time, I will take the Green Bay Packers, but I think that crowd is going to be so loud inside that brand-new dome. I don't think Minnesota drops the ball on this one. Give me the Vikings. So the last game that we got to review here is Monday night, September 19th. Uh, it's going to be uh, Carson Wentz's uh, road, uh, road first road uh, adventure, and it's going to the, to the Midway City, which is against – the Chicago Bears, um, and in the way he performed in week one based on his amount of weapons that he had and obviously the good game plan that he put that they put together for him, uh, I don't see the Bears actually overcoming Philly. Uh, Chicago is going to have problems stopping offense. They're going to have problems stopping offenses all year long. They're in Chicago. It's Monday night. I really would like to take the Bears, but I can't do that on good conscience. I will take the Philadelphia Eagles for the win. Yeah, and then that's pretty hard for you to do. You got to take the Eagles. It's yes, it no was. different than me from <laughs> Seattle and my Rams. You know what I mean? It's just, but as a as a true analyst, as we call ourselves, we will have to be realistic about it and not and take away lo- you know pride and loyalty for a squad. Um, so Absolutely. let's go into the recap at this point. Let's go into the women's recap. And I'll take you into the cap here and just make it together here. In Germany, the uh, German, the uh, AFBD uh, Ladies Bowl at this point, the playoffs, uh, Division Two crowned uh, Molheim Shamrocks 40-0 to against the Cologne Falconets last week. So uh, congratulations to them. In the semifinals in Division One, Claresheim Hurricanes fell to the Mays Golden Eagles. The Mays Golden Eagles last year were the Division II champions. So they are the defending Division II champions. Now they got upgraded to Division I, which is with the bigger dog. And the Mays Golden Eagles uh, take care of Carrollsheim uh, Hurricanes, 26-15. to 15. The Berlin Cobras, the uh, eight-time and seven consecutive championship Berlin Cobras, last year's uh, champions in 2015, the Berlin Cobras uh, – easily took care of the Mulchen Rangers, 38-6. to Mulchen returns to a semifinal playoff status last year after losing to Maine's Golden Eagles in Division Two. So these, are, these were two competitive uh, you know, championship teams in Division Two, which is a totally different monster when you, go up, when you get upgraded to Division One. So at this point, it's going to be uh, the Maine's Golden Eagles taking on the Berlin Cobras at Lady Bulls 24 and we'll keep tabs on that. And you can also get all the information if you go to afbd.ee, afbd.ee, and that's for Germany. And you can get the information at gfl.info as well. And looking forward to Berlin Cobras seeking back-to-back championships 2015-2016. They're looking for their ninth franchise championship. 
This is, uh, Troy, this, this team right here, this organization is the premier, you know, premier. This is basically, if you want to consider it, this is kind of like the best of the best. Uh, in, in line with, obviously, the Saskatoon Valkyries in Canada, in line with, uh, you know, the big dogs here in the States, which is, you know, uh, the big squats uh, in terms of, like, the DC Divas in that aspect in terms of championships. So big dogs, seven-time uh, German champion in the women's league. And then last year, they missed last uh, 2014. They didn't win it. Uh, but in 2015, they rebound it, and they make the championship. And this year, again, they're looking for – a uh, back-to-back championship. So that would be their ninth title in, in almost, uh, I think, 11 seasons. So it's very impressive. Yeah, it sounds like they're the, the, you know, it sounds like they're like the, the Patriots over here. Yeah, and then, and they have a real real good nucleus. Um, they, they, they do very well in terms of uh, coaching, and you can tell by, obviously, their record. They do really well in that. So you got to hats off to them. So they will take on uh, I believe it's September 24th. They will uh, lady, uh, ladies bowl uh, 24th. We will have on Twitter and on Facebook. We'll have the links to the live broadcast. So congratulations to the Berlin Cobras and the Maine's Golden Eagles. They will meet in the German Division Two Finals for 2016. Uh, the other uh, in- information we got: Week Five results in the Great Iron Queensland Division. Uh, it was the GC Stingrays after a forfeit uh, win last week. And after a 102 to zero first week win, which is historic in in, in women's uh, football, anyways, but for for Great Iron Queensland, obviously way record right there, big time record. So the uh, champs, GC Stingrays, 38 to zero, they take care of uh, the South Coast Spartans. The Bayside Ravens, 22 to zero against the Saints in week five. Just keep an eye on Bayside. Bayside was a story last year that we talked about. They were a brand-new squad, brand-new franchise, and they ended up making it to the championship and ended up losing in the championship. So they, they got a chip on their shoulders. Uh, they, they go to 2-1 and one at this point, and they're looking for, obviously, a playoff run once again. Uh, a, lot of these, a lot of the players on Bayside were former GC Stingray uh, players that won um, the, the previous three championships in that, in that uh, franchise. So they are very, very good, very good uh, you know, uh, players. And so it shows well right now that Bayside is obviously very competitive for that reason too, because they understand what it takes to win. So very competitive Bayside squad. And you can go to Facebook and we end up featuring them as well on our Facebook page, the Bayside Ravens. And they're obviously, they beat 22 zero to the Saints, the Brisbane Saints, new squad kind of struggles right now, Brad first year. Uh, they're struggling with roster to keep up with a bunch of roster players as well. So that's going to be, kind of an ongoing thing throughout the season. The Griffith Uni Thunder, the brand new, newly formed youth uh, Griffith Uni Thunder, they take care of the Morantown um, Bay Raptors 50-0, to zero, and that's another team to keep an eye on, the Griffith Uni Thunder, combination of players from uh, different teams, obviously in Queensland, so they're starting to c- compete as well. So uh, Grand Island Queensland will go ahead and give the previews out this coming Wednesday and Thursday of the next week six. And so we're not going to have real competitive matchups until I think uh, week 10 when the Jets and the Stingrays rematch. So Jets and Stingrays, always a good matchup. And that's uh, Lauren Evans, our Nordic football supporter, against uh, obviously Christy MVP Christy Moran, multiple MVP times Christy Moran. So um, it's going to be a pretty interesting season for Greenland Crimson. So next week 
week six. We'll get the results as well as on Twitter and Facebook, so you can follow us there as well. And so uh, the other uh, matchups is in Queensland, and that was uh, obviously in uh, North, New South Wales, I meant, not Queensland, New South Wales. And that was going to be in the U, um, UNWS, the UNSW, I'm sorry, UNSW uh, Raiders. The first week was a wash because the field was uh, very bad and they couldn't play. So they basically uh, gave everybody pretty much a tie in the first week. So this is really the true week one, but it's actually under week two. So the, the final scores here is the Phoenix – Phoenix Gridiron defeated UTS Gridiron. So the Phoenix, the Northwestern Phoenix, 20-8 to against uh, UTS Gators. And UTS uh, looked pretty good. Uh, and then, obviously, Phoenix, previous champions as well. So they're starting to rebuild their program there. So 20-8, to uh, the Phoenix take care of UTS Gridiron. So they actually officially get their first win. If you take the draws uh, in terms of equal points, uh, the first win goes to Phoenix. Then the, the champs, the 2015 champs, the Raider, um, the UN, UNSW Raiders with uh, Kate Gartner and uh, Stacey Spears out there and, uh, and Renee Hahn, our no-joke football supporters out there, um, they take care of Newcastle Cobras, 64-0. So week three coming up, and we'll go ahead and showcase that also on Facebook and Twitter. So that's what's going on in terms of the women's game and the uh, – the Cancun Bikini League will launch uh, once again this past weekend. We'll get the preview out there for you uh, in terms of the um, slates as well. Uh, Barracuda's pretty hot still at this point, so we'll go into detail on that. And you can always go to LFB on Facebook to get the latest on that. So clean slate on that. So exciting football in New South Wales, Troy. Uh, the Raiders looking for back-to-back championships just like the Cobras did. Um, the Newcastle Cobras, um, Matilda Quist, who's our Nojo football supporter, unfortunately uh, somehow broke her arm or wrist area. So she's on, uh, on a cast mode. So we wish her well and quick recovery as well. But big captain for them, big loss for that team in terms of leadership. So, uh, Matilda, if you're listening, uh, you know, we wish you well and quick recovery. All right, so uh, then we go into Legends at this point. So we got a Legends on uh, this week. Legends Cup had the Legends Cup on the YouTube channel at Legends Football League on YouTube. And so, Troy, uh, no surprises here. We already knew that that was going to happen. We, are, we, are, we kind of figured out that Chicago was a pretty good team in that, in that aspect of it. And so um, I don't know, if, did you get to watch the game at all this weekend? I did not get a chance to watch. Uh, I caught some snippets of uh, some highlights on on YouTube, uh, but I did see that Chicago won the game. And I, honestly, I thought, man, I, I was surprised that they came out with it. I just thought that um, when I saw most of the teams playing this year, I thought the Seattle Miss they kind of stood out as far as like the you know the team that executed the best. But you got to take your hats off. Uh, Coach Act to you know have his team ready to play, and the way he managed his roster during the regular season, giving Chris Dell Harris that rest, I think that was the biggest, the biggest thing that she could that that came out of that was getting giving her rest and and getting her ready for the postseason, and that postseason run definitely took its um, you know she she was primed for the postseason run at that point. 
Yeah, and, and you, you had mentioned earlier Ed J. Johnson, big contributor. Uh, same situation happened here as well. I mean, you got to a point where um, the Chicago Bliss was down at one point, but they kept their heads up. It's no different that they, against Atlanta. Uh, K.K. Matheny made some crucial mistakes as well, so that benefited uh, Chicago uh, in that aspect of it. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how things turn out in terms of, you know, going forward with Seattle. But they had a stacked-up roster. Um, Brace came in, obviously, not 100%. And that was a big factor as well because that, that just created, obviously, a lesser effective player. Uh, but she played her heart out, and we got to give her credit for that. I mean, she did, she did stand out and did her, did her part. And then you also had, you know, the key players on Chicago stand up, which is defensively, they stood up. They did their part. Joshy Rice. Uh, you also had uh, Kim Perez and uh, Morrison as well. So it was just, you know, it was a situation where they played a little bit better than than uh, the Seattle Miss, and the Seattle Miss, for whatever reason, at this point, you know, couldn't make enough plays. Uh, very competitive game, and Coach Hack obviously understood the ramifications of all the players, and they really targeted uh, Brace at one point throughout the game, and they put together that Dominic Malloy really stood out, uh, but you got to give it the, the hats off to Jacinda Barkley, who really riled up this team, really put them in contention to win. And uh, you had talked about her, and you had talked about, obviously, Chicago's uh, efforts to do that. And against, um, you know, Atlanta, both times in back-to-back, almost back-to-back weeks, um, Chicago just showed like they were the more resilient team. And then at this point in time, in Legends Cup, that really would would have boiled down to. It was a situation where um, too many mistakes on Seattle's part. They didn't make enough plays. And uh, it's, it just turned out to be that, you know, the Bliss just get the big win and they win their uh, – they rebound and get uh, Legends, another Legends Cup. Yeah, I mean, and I think that was uh, – you made a great point in regards to Santa Barbara because, I mean, you know, she was more so like, a, you know, a last-ditch effort. You know when uh, you know coming because coming into the season they lost the quarterback and you know coming into this season Jacinda Barkley coming over from Australia you know who knew she would have this kind of impact on that team and you know if you have a player on your team like that who not only can can throw the ball down the field but also does not make those huge mistakes you putting yourself in a position where you can win the football game and that's what they did with her. And I really like the way that they brought her along during the season. You started to see each and every game she started to get. She was already more confident. But then, you know, you start to see someone start to, you know, kind of put it all together. You saw that going throughout the season with her. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely proud of the way she made her – she made her uh, her bones over here in the LFL for this league. And it speaks well for the fact that the coaching staff, I mean, they, they really worked with her um, – in terms of the assistant coaches and everything. And, it, you know, the way she plays the ball really made a difference. Um, not that, taking anything away from, like, Heather Fur in the past, but the way she played, because she plays, uh, obviously, rugby, she, she's a more aggressive quarterback. And it showed in, in her gameplay on Legends the fact that there was an open space, open gap. She was not scared to take it, you know, to run with it and to really get that extra push for yardage. And the, really, she was basically the difference if you start analyzing the game because Seattle had contained pretty well. And then defensively, uh, the Bliss basically stood their ground and contained Malloy on the corners. So it didn't allow her to get the big breaks. Um, 
Stevie Schnorr did score a couple scores on there, but the bottom line is, you know, it was just the bliss uh, just played a little bit better. And then obviously their key play was that. And then, you know, uh, uh, KK Matheny just somehow uh, throws one up in the end zone towards the last there. And, and we're looking at about under 20 seconds or something like that. Crucial, crucial throw out there. And then the interception there uh, going towards uh, Ben, um, Bren Renda just didn't happen. So basically that was the end for them. And so uh, Seattle loses and uh, Chicago rebounds and gets another legends cup. So hats off to coach hack and the crew out there. And, uh, and also to the miss. I mean, they played a very good game as well. Yeah, definitely like that. Man. I mean, just get hats off them, uh, you know, for, <clears throat> for winning the championship. This is the third one in four years. I mean, that's, that's, that's dominance right there, man. I mean, so, that Chicago team and watching them play the Mist earlier this season, I just thought that, you know, the Mist would have been the more solid team. But you got to take your hats off to them. It, it, the way that they handled, you know, coming back against Atlanta and then, you know, all the diversity with that. And then, you know, another to Danica Brace, last season's MVP, tried to play through injuries. She had a tough time for the past, you know, four games, also including the, the – um, the, the postseason, trying to play through those injuries, tough as nails, just had to, just couldn't finish it out. And, you know, you take your hats off to the Seattle Miss for a great season that they had. Yeah, it was pretty too competitive. And it was probably the two best teams left anyways. I mean, they were, they were the two best teams uh, at this point. So um, Chicago wins 31-26. And so, uh, you know, hats off to them. Like I said, they made a couple more better plays than normal. And so um, Chris Harris and Jacinda Barkley, along with uh, um, AJ Johnson. So they get, they get the win and the big win. So they are obviously the team to beat at this point. They capture the third championship in four seasons. So uh, hats off to Kotak as well for that. Um, so that pretty much uh, covers the Legends Football League. Uh, we're looking forward toward the off season at this point for Legends Football League. So we'll keep tabs on any off-season news. You can stay up to date on Twitter, also on our Facebook page. Um, and then uh, TMZ is coming up with their top 20 hottest LFL athletes of 2016. So as soon as that comes out, we will go ahead and link it up, and you guys can check out who's going to be in the top 20 in 2016. And I'm pretty sure uh, Crystal Harris and uh, Jacinda Barkley and A.J. Johnson are going to be on that list. I'm pretty sure they're going to be taken off that list as well. So, um, Troy, uh, I don't know, great, great week so far. Uh, NFL Week 2, pretty exciting exciting games. College football coming up here. So, anything we need to watch for in college football before we get out of here in terms of uh, for this coming week, any top three matchups that you're looking at? The big game that you want to watch, and this is the only top ten matchup of the weekend, is uh, Florida State and uh, Louisville. You're going to see two dynamic offenses playing out. Um, you, that's a, that's the absolute must-see game this weekend. So take a look at that game and, and tune in. You, know, you definitely want to not miss that one. Also, you have to put in there Oklahoma and Ohio State. These two programs rarely meet, and you love to see two big blue blood pro- programs who rarely meet go off with each other. They're going to be. Um, it's going to be a battle down in Norman, Oklahoma. Whoever wins this really is putting themselves in a great position to start having national championship talk. It's still going to be a long season, 
but what a resume builder both that, that it will be to, for either one of those teams to win that game. Now, in the NFL, is there a particular game besides your Redskins game uh, that you're ke- keep an eye out? What's the, what's the top three NFL games you're keeping up on this weekend? Well, the, the biggest game that I wanted to see would be Indianapolis at Denver. I just want to see how, you know, um, Andrew Luck, how uh, he's going to come out there against Denver. He notoriously it plays very well against Denver, which is why I pick Indianapolis to win this game. Not to mention that Denver, they they have less firepower, but Indianapolis defense is not going to be as, as, as stout. So I think that's going to be a great game. I want to see that Tampa Bay-Arizona game also because you want to see how Tampa Bay is going to build on their victory that they had against Atlanta, who's a division opponent, so they're familiar. How are they going to play against a team that is considered one of the upper echelon teams of the league and and, and it's also going to be on the road? This would be a huge step for them if they can come out with the uh, with the win at that point. And then also, uh, the, also the game that I wanted to see was the Green Bay-Minnesota game. Minnesota's opening a new stadium, another team that is on the cusp of changing their, their former fortunes. Uh, Minnesota won the division last year. Green Bay has not forgotten that. So this would be a great NFC North showdown, and it will also go a long way as far as who's going to establish the dominance in that division. And now, you know, for fantasy tidbits, uh, this past weekend, the top wide receivers in points of week one was Brandon Cooks uh, with about 28 points, Antonio Brown with about 25 points, A.J. Green for 24, Willie Sneed for 23 uh, you want to get your fantasy fixes, go to the thefantasygreek.com, and uh, Jim Sorrentis right there will give you the lowdown on your on your next lineup for week three. So top top fantasy, and he'll give you some tidbits on who to sit and who to not sit. So go to the thefantasygreek on Twitter, as well as thefantasygreek.com uh, with Jim Sorrentis. So um, visit our shop at zazzle.com. Thanks to Zazzle for sponsoring our program. Visit the shop at Zazzle.com uh, forward slash Great Iron Beauties and customize your stuff. And check out what we have there. Please support us. Give us a, a, a like out there as well. Uh, leave some comments if needed. But go check out all our stuff. We also have the um, Great Iron Australia Girls Women's uh, Outback fundraiser there. So any anytime you buy a chalk line tea, three dollars, which is basically profit that we would have gotten. The $3 profit goes towards the fundraiser for the uh, Women's Outback Squad in Australia. So check out uh, Zazzle.com for size Great Iron Beauties. Check out our specials as well um, um, on Zazzle.com. Use this, the codes daily. If there is no special code, you can always use our Order Ship 10, and that's 10% off. Order Ship 10, 10% off. You can also catch our podcast at www.ultimatesportstalk.com. Ultimatesportstalk.com. You can listen to our podcast anytime. So, um, Troy, if anybody missed anything, obviously they can replay your uh, amazing insights, and they can always do it anytime, whenever they feel like it. So that's why it's cool to be on Block Talk Radio. Um, let's see. What else do we got going on? Oh, this weekend we got the big friendly that's going to happen in BAFA Women, the BAFA Women Friendly. It's the Great Britain Women's uh, uh, Squad taking on Team uh, FIFA, so they're going to take on Team Spain, and this is going to be happening this coming weekend on the 17th. So keep an eye out on Twitter and Facebook for the update links as well. So Bath for Women uh, scrimmage and the friendly scrimmage, international scrimmage, is going to take place. That's uh, the Gridiron Britain Lion Ladies Lioness and taking on the Spain. 
So uh, Team Spain as well. So we'll keep tabs on that as well, and as well as the updates for and previews for week three in Queensland, and then obviously week uh, three also, I'm sorry, week six in Queensland, and week three in uh, Great Iron New South Wales. So Troy, uh, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, also tune in to that Cincinnati-Pittsburgh rivalry game. That's going to be a it's going to be a fun one. Uh, you know, it's going to be great for, for the matchup. So keep an eye out on the weekend college football. Troy will be out there. You can follow at Troy uh, Wilson underscore one. At Troy Wilson underscore one. You can follow Kishi at Kishi's Cuties on Twitter. And we're all talking NFL and college all weekend. So you can always follow us on there. And you can always follow us at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter as well as Gridiron Beauties on Facebook for the uh, amazing news on women's gridiron plus NFL and other uh, football uh, news as well. So thanks for making us the number one Twitter sports site covering women's gridiron and NFL news. We really appreciate it. Uh, catch us on next week on Tuesday as we chime in for week three, college football as well, and then update on the women's recaps off Australia. So for Oscar Lopez, and Troy Wilson for the absent in Kishi Free. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next week right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com, the Great Iron Blitz. Thanks you. Have a good night. Good night, guys.